When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I don't know that Kanye has a five mic album under his belt. Um, Interesting. You don't think he has a five mic album? I think he's got a gang of four and a half. I wow. don't know that he has a five mic I think hip hop will always be a void for the people. How you doing? Man, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Just a, a quiet week here in Philly. How about you? All right, man. Just learned my dad had COVID, which is crazy. Oh, wow. Yeah, they, they uh, called me on Thursday um, saying he had a fever. He's only 99. It's a little short of breath. And I called uh, Friday, and they said that um, the test had come back negative because they had just tested him, I guess, on Wednesday. And then they called yesterday. I heard the, the voicemail saying that he actually came back positive, but no fever. Um you know, breathing is like uh, lung capacity is, is fine. So it looks like he's through it, which is great. So yeah, which is crazy. Wow, man. Yeah, thank God. Uh, wow, that's 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 heavy. That's a heavy thing to hear and not be able to help. But just like anyone with loved ones going through COVID, there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, man. It's just it is what it is. You know, it's uh, a virus, and we are all susceptible. And you know. Uh, but but it's good that he's he's on the mend. So glad about that. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I forgot to do this last week, but I'm Reggie Williams, <laughs> founder and CEO of Embroach for Heads. And with me, I have Jake Payne, and together this is our What's the Headline podcast. Uh, we had Lyric Jones last week, which was amazing, man. Really, really great to talk with her. Um. Yeah, man, I played her album a lot uh, just since then. It was great to have some context and some deeper appreciation for what she and, um, you know, to some extent, Fonte were cooking with that. Yeah, yeah, I played it a lot too, man. It sounds phenomenal in the car. It's just a really great album, you know, sonically and short, um, you know, to the point. Uh, but she was super excited about Gucci Mane and uh, the Jeezy versus. And it turned out a lot of other people were too. Um, you called it, man. Uh, this is the biggest versus so far by far. Oh, is it is? I didn't even realize that in terms of traffic, yeah. it is. Oh, man, it was 5.5 million unique people tuned That's in. That's crazy. In like, you know, two hours. And at one point they had, I think I saw, saw 1.7, 1.9 million real time. Yeah. Which is gigantic. Um, I think before that it was Brandy and Monica had, had, had done They broke the record. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny. I um Jeezy and, and Gucci, while they're international, you know, artists, they're they're distinctly southern. And I often think that the South, you know, don't don't um underestimate southern rap fans. Um and I know there might not be necessarily like a destination for them online, you know, but you and I saw it with all the years at Ambrosia for Heads. I mean, you know, an article on somebody like Juicy J could do way more than your your perceived a-list artists out of the east or west i mean mm -hmm. the south and, and these two guys i mean there's so much history here we talked it a little we talked about it a little bit last week but i had no idea that it would kind of rear its head that way you know in the battle yeah man i, I want to talk to you about this like um for me um i respect both dudes like um you know met both dudes like really like them you know um but the music was never for me you know, I mean, it was right around this time when they were peaking, you know, 2008, 2009 uh, or so, when I really started to kind of move away from hip hop and I thought I might be past it, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, I wasn't into Wayne, you know, all that. And it was when I discovered Not Right and, you know, that started to like, you know, find J. Cole, drop the warm up that like it brought me back you know, fully and made me actually want to dedicate toward like, you know, um, digging in the crates and chasing, you know, um, and then providing it to other people that ambrosia, you know, for, for heads. And so um, I know you covered it. You've covered all this music, you know, your whole career. 
did you like this? Was was this ever part of your wheelhouse, or did you just cover it kind of professionally, but it was never your thing? To be real with you, I mean, I struggled with it at the onset, and that's not that has nothing to do whatsoever with the South. I mean, Outkast is is you know very much in my Mount Rushmore of hip hop, and you know I love Ghetto Boys, Scarface, rap a lot, UGK. But in the mid two thousands, I remember Tommy Boy Records when I think they had rebranded as Tommy Boy Entertainment, pitching me. Gucci Mane, So Icy, which is, you know, the joint that they performed to bring the battle down, which featured Jeezy. And both of those artists, um, you know, I remember at the time, like, you know, writers that I was working with at All Hip Hop were still calling him Gucci Man. Like people weren't used to like spelling like that. Um, so the first two or so years, I just couldn't get with it. You know, I, I wasn't a fan of Gucci Mane's beat selection. Um, Jeezy didn't really brand himself. I did... Um, but it was funny in, in 07 and 08 as kind of a pledge to better understand the culture that I work in. Um, I worked with troubled youth here in Philadelphia and my kids who range between the ages of, you know, eight, but mostly in their teens, you know, 14, 15, 16, they would request that I play Jeezy in the car, um, especially his second album. Um, and by watching the way that, his subject matter, his delivery, his beat selection commanded these kids. It made me very apprehensive because of the subject matter. And I'm somebody that, you know, loves, loves D-boy rap from Raekwon to E-40, but it was just so sinister. But I, I became a fan. Um, to me, though, that, that wasn't something that I carried with me much past that point. Um, I respect both of these guys, but it's not music you'll regularly hear me play in the car apart from, like I said, um, Jeezy's 2006, you know, second album. Yeah, so, you know, we had this issue, you know, on AFH too. Like, we, we would have divergent taste, um, you know, um, and you would be forced to cover things that you didn't really love. Um, you know, I would do it too. How do you navigate that? Like, how do you write about something uh, you know, I, the way I tried to do it was to talk about the thing that I did respect about it or, um, you know, the significance of it culturally or whatever it might be. But how do you navigate, you know, covering and writing about something that you just don't like have any passion for? You've got to be objective. And for me, um, I've, I've never I've never referred to myself as a tastemaker. You know, I love putting people on to what I believe in, but I'm a vessel and a messenger of a genre and a culture, um, you know, so there's there's always going to be things that I don't like. And for me, um, I'm the type of person that likes to dive deep and figure out why, you know, why I don't like it, but more importantly, why somebody else does. And I can't tell you, I mean, it's funny, like we've talked about on this podcast, um, you know, Benny's song with Big Sean and Lil Wayne, when we first talked about it, when it came out as a single, you were very much in favor, put it on the playlist. I was a little bit tepid on it. Here we are two months, three months later, I play it every day. Um, so I've, I've never kind of formed my opinions in cement. You know what I mean? It's more like wet cement where it's always changing. And so, yeah, I mean, and, and I like to learn, you know, you're, you're a bigger logic fan at various points in my career than I am. And when you hit me with a song of the day, you're like, yo, this album's really good. I, um, I'll check it out. You know, yesterday you and I had a conversation too. Like I'm, I'm a big homeboy Sandman fan. You might not be, you know, anywhere close to that, but I'll say to you like, yo man, check this new album. And sometime you might get around to giving it a spin. That's just who we are as fans. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you know, especially when something grabs you, I do want to like, see if I can catch it. Um, you know, you hear about it enough. It's interesting about programming too, right? When you step back and think about what programming really is, it, it really is like designed to like lodge into you and like almost force you into liking something. You know, a lot yeah. of times like it, it coincides, but that's the, the reason, rationale behind the heavy rotation on radio, you know, mm -hmm. but the more you listen to it, the more, you know, it, it kind of seeps in and, Sounds like that that's what happened with, with Spotify. I'm sure you were just banging the playlist. But if you step back and look at TikTok, it is like the, the it's, it's almost like a weapon because yeah. you have the combination of new visuals and, and it's mostly interesting or um, at least like, yeah, you know, 
captivating, and, but it's the same song. You're hearing it over and over and over again, like, you know, Savage with like uh, Megan Thee Stallion or whatever yeah. it might be. And, you know, it, it, it's stuck with it. It's in your head. And like, so it's, it's, it's like the perfect, you know, programming tool. Yeah, I mean, and, and to think about your question a little bit more, it's interesting you mentioned Nah Right. And, you know, when Nah Right kind of burst on the scene in 2005, I was at All Hip Hop. And again, everywhere I've ever worked, including Ambrosia for Heads, I feel like a messenger of the culture. You and I had a really unique position at AFH where we were extremely curated. You know, when I ran Hip Hop DX for seven years, I wanted to be the CNN of hip hop. So you have to cover everything, like it or not, you know, good, bad and ugly. AFH was a little bit different, but I always admired the blogs like Nah Right, Two Dope Boys, Cocaine Blunts, Uncut, because they could strictly tap into what they wanted and mute whatever else. Like that's the beauty of that. But we've always considered, you know, um, our readers to be, I wouldn't even say like the sixth man or sixth woman or anything like that. They're, they have a big seat at the table. And, you know, so... Um, I'm trying to think of a really good example of that, but like, um, I mean, I would say it's the the goat, the, the first goat. Like, you know, everyone thinks that that was fixed. Yeah. You know, when Eminem won, but you know, Jay was my goat, and I thought it was going to be Jay versus M or Jay versus Rakim in the end, and Jay lost in the Sweet Sixteen round to MF Doom. Yeah. Like Jay Z to Doom. Like, I mean, that was clearly our readers like having a significant role in. Thanks. Huge example. And I remember even in our last days of publishing, you know, daily, um, Lords of the Underground made a comeback record, you know, mm -hmm. and they worked with Snow Goons. And I was, I was like, yeah, this is cool, but it feels a little bit ambrosia for old heads. You, I don't think, liked the record a whole lot more than I did, but you, you nudged me and you're like, yo, our readers love this stuff. It feels good. It's got narrative and the music isn't bad. We've done that numerous times um, with various artists. And the proof is in the pudding because I remember that being a bigger post than again some like quote unquote a list artists that same week. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's it. That tapping into it culturally. Uh, so yeah, man, um, I didn't watch the whole Gucci versus Jeezy battle. I wouldn't have gotten it, the full context of the music because I didn't know it and live it and you know you know understand the significance. But I do and did understand the significance of it as a an event and what it meant for hip-hop for these two men who have gone through like literal death and like you know um you know at, at you know at the behest of one another and you know um expense of one another and uh, for them to stand on stage and be peaceful and to you know um do this for hip-hop and do it as an example for younger artists who are now beefing and like getting deadly and in the midst of us losing, you know, King Vaughn and others, like, um, it was, it was huge, man. It was massive. And, you know, I know that people tuned in for the spectacle and some of that, you know, was desire to see something go down, you know, it's that, you know, train wreck kind of mentality, but it was great to see them be peaceful and, you know, and do what they did. So. Yeah, I mean, I was surprised at the level of petty, though, to be honest with you. Like, yeah. you know, um, and that is spectacle. I mean, you're absolutely right. The way that it ended kind of closes the book um, and not for nothing. You know, I don't allegedly, you know, at least one person lost their life in this beef. Um, you know, I mean, one person definitely lost their life. Yeah, How? Yeah how um tied into that will you know i i'm not in a position to understand and and that exists in other places in hip-hop you know this week you know um big boy asked 50 cent you know um about ja roll and if they would ever do a versus and and, and 50's been getting that question a lot and he kind of no but said he was open to game more or less I'm, I'm paraphrasing and that's another battle where if you really open up the things around it people lost their lives you know allegedly um and that you can say the same about mc8 who we recently had on this podcast and dj quick you know it's wild to see things come full circle it's an interesting opportunity um for hip-hop that goes beyond the olive branch olive branch collaboration right like you know dj khaled putting jada kiss and beans on the song together where they both you know recorded their verses in different studios and sent them in that's different this is 
this is meaningful, but these guys absolutely gave a show. Um, and I feel like they represent very different, even sides of Atlanta hip hop and Gucci's influence continues to show itself in a way that I'm not sure Jeezy's does. But at the same time, I think Jeezy's Zenith is far bigger and more mainstream than Gucci. So it was very interesting, even beyond the, 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 the battle history. I do think in my opinion, Jeezy took this one. Um, that's my opinion, but I think Gucci really came in there and, and made it um, an interesting battle. And I'm sure there's people that are tuned in that disagree with me on that one. Yeah. You said, petty so beyond some of the records that were played what was there anything else that you considered to be petty well i mean you know if you paid attention and i actually i'm like you i didn't watch the whole thing in real time um it was running late other things were going on but i read i was fascinated by the analysis because i knew this with this particular battle there were smarter people than i am on the situation i mean gucci came out there and literally wrapped the man's name who lost his life mm-hmm. and looked jeezy directly in the eye um, the records that they chose, the body language, um, some of the stuff that transpired when I say petty on Twitter going into this. And you're always going to have that kind of like pre-fight, um, you know, hype. But this one was different. And I have to add and say, you know, this is this is the premiere of season two of Versus. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a long hiatus comparatively. I mean, we've gone several months without a battle. I knew... Uh-huh. Like like a month, like two months, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, not a not a yeah, whole long yeah, time. Yeah. But after going boom, 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 week, I think sometimes there were two in a week. Um, you know, I think we all knew that the virus would come back in a big way in the fall. But it's weird that here we are in a lockdown week, um, and this battle breaks the record. And you know, we've had some context over the years and or over the various battles, but I don't think any has the level of context and rivalry of this one. Mm, so to yeah. see that play out in not the most, you know, diplomatic way, at least up until the end is interesting. I mean, it just, it makes me wonder, you know, I think it takes versus as itself to a new place of like, we can see real tense rivalries and, and, and beefs kind of write new history on this platform. Yeah. You said 50, um, and he wouldn't do Ja Rule. Who would you rather see 50 go up against? Uh, ja Rule, Game, or Rick Ross? I think Game. Um, you know, and that's that's a that's a really good question. All of those are 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 stellar. I don't think we'll ever see a day with 50 and Ja Rule making good. You know, I always kind of suspected there would be a day with 50 and game kind of piecing it up. And we've seen that a couple of times. Um, yeah. I'm interested in that. I think, you know, Ross too. I mean, those guys like, yeah. And, and that's, I mean, those are both moguls, not to say that game or Ja Rule aren't, but Ross's moguldom is very active right now. And, yeah. um, you know, and 50 through, you know, TV and other things continues to have that. I, I just think 50 game could be really, really, really interesting. Um, yeah. I don't know. You, you, you go Ross. You know, um, I don't know that 50s catalog stands up against Ross's. Like Ross has been like uh, active and consistent for what, like 15 years now, almost. Yeah. Almost yeah. 15 years. Um, yeah. And his his catalog is insane, you know. Um, and I agree yes, with you. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Rick Ross dude. You, you established that last week, but <laughs> you know, it's true though, man. Like, uh, and Fifty has been a, a lot less uh, prolific in his output, you know, um, especially since like 2009 or so. Yep. Drop, you know. Um, I, he has a. I mean, you know, I think Fifty has a has a better chance of winning. Um in the public perception against game or Ja Rule. But I still think both of those artists have fans that are going to root for the underdog in that situation. And even though 50 is an underdog, he's one of the greatest underdog stories. You know, he bullied both of those guys, game mm-hmm. and, and Ja Rule. And I know they both try to dish it back, but yeah, I'm with you and all respect due to 50, but I don't know that coming out of a battle against Rick Ross, 50's on top. So why would he agree to do that? Unless yeah. he believed that strongly in himself. Yeah. Yeah. So Gucci says 
in the end, he says, you know, you extended an olive branch and I take it, you know, and I, I respect that and I'll take it, you know. Um, you know, so that was a great moment for hip hop. Meanwhile, yeah. there were some real uh, dark moments also this week, you know. Uh, so Benny the Butcher, someone that you and I hold in extremely high regard. Um, you know, you called his album, Album of the Year. Uh, we've interviewed him on a couple of occasions, like just huge fans, just of the whole movement. Uh, was shot this week, you know, um, and it was Westside Gun. Westside Gun talked about it on a Joe Budden podcast. He was shot in the leg. He's okay, uh, but I think it was in Houston, right? Yeah, uh, and, outside Walmart. Um, yeah. It's that's uh, that's scary. It's it's crazy that um, a guy who has you know been through so much and you know raps about it is very much transparent about the the lifestyle he's he's had to you know kind of overcome. Um, is still, you know, subject to that kind of uh, violence. You know, um, you know, it could have it could have turned out very differently. We could we could be having a very different podcast this week. You know, yeah. so. Um, but w- what were your thoughts when you heard about that? Oh man, I mean, just coming off of like you mentioned a moment ago, King Vaughn and Mo Three and Boozy Badass getting shot in Dallas, and you know, I'm still very much not over or right over Nipsey. You know, so to have these these kind of news tickers happen, it just makes your stomach drop. And Benny's, you know, very honest about his past, but he's definitely in a point in his career where we're seeing a lot of growth, maturity and transition. Um, and so to see that happen now was was very, very, very concerning. And, you know, I mean this this concept of of artists getting robbed or um violently attacked in other cities is just it's it's really um it's happening more and more and it's really 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 concerning i'm so happy that benny's all right but uh yeah i'm just overall uneasy right now with these with this with this culture and i don't mean to put violence in hip hop but the fact is at a year when there's violence surging all across the United States, including the city you live in and the city I live in, it's, we're seeing it in, in real time with people we admire. And that's just, that's troubling. Yeah. And in the wake of all this violence, you know, Lil Wayne, like is charged with having a weapon and like was obviously convicted of that um, back in like 08. Late ops, yeah, yeah, and spent some time, like eighteen months or so, in prison. Yeah. So you know, if it turns out that it it was it, that it was his weapon, uh, you know, he could be facing significant time now. But you know, given everything that's going on, you can also understand why someone might want to have a weapon. You know, self defense is truly life and death in these matters. And so, it's absolutely, it's catch twenty two. It's real hard. It really is. And it's a shame too. I mean, you know, um, Ice-T always talks about the levels, you know, levels to the game. And we've watched artists like Jay-Z and Nas and Eminem and Dre and, you know, J. Cole Kendrick reach certain levels. And, you know, the work that Wayne has put in, um, in this culture, love him or hate him, he shouldn't be in that position. And I don't say that to criticize his you know, I'm sure Wayne has security guards and things like that, but it's just sad to watch, you know, elite artists, elite, you know, lyrical athletes like this um, get jammed up. Yeah. And, and the fact, like you said, that they have to, you know, I watched, um, I watched uh, Jay Prince, who I always find to be such a fascinating figure of hip hop, appear on Drink Champs recently. And I watched, it was three, three plus hours. I watched the whole episode this week. And, you know, one of the best questions that I've never heard Jay Prince asked as, as you know, Benny, it happened in Houston, which is Jay Prince's city, is the importance of the check-in. You know, we've all heard stories, be it LA, Chicago, Houston, where an artist can't just pass through. There's certain people in the street and arguably in, in rap music, in the culture, that you have to let know that you're there, show gratitude, show love. Um, in 2020, I don't, I wouldn't want to be a rapper, you know, with a career to juggle, having to maneuver and go to these clubs and all of that, the pressures, the heightened sense of security, just being on high alert and also trying to be your brand. That is like, my heart goes out to artists like Benny that, that have to 
keep up with that. They shouldn't have to. And Wayne, you know. What did what did Jay Prince say about the check-in? He says really important. And even Nori had said, he goes, you know, years ago, like him and him and him and Jay had had like a cool relationship. But Nori said, look, every time me and Capone were in Houston, we always let you know we were there. And you always said, if there's anything you need, and I don't, I don't mean to imply that that's always negativity, i.e. a weapon or, you know, narcotic, you know, whatever. But um, Jay said, it's very important, especially in a city like Houston, like you should check in. And we've heard stories from people that, you know, that was a big thing in LA with Suge Knight, you know, and other folks like you can't pop up in a club in LA and not make those phone calls in advance. And, you know, who tells an artist that, um, you know, we've seen it in New York, we've seen it so many different places. And I'm just like, yo, this street culture intersecting with hip hop is at a very weird place right now. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's inescapable. If you're in a town now, everyone knows you're in a town with social media. So, yep. Uh, that was a, always the fascinating thing with Takashi, and obviously we saw that kind of play out with him and Jay Prince too. Uh, yeah. You know, um, yeah, man. Uh, you know, we got to get past it. We got to get past it. Um, you know, um, Bobby Brown. You know, um, his son Bobby Brown Jr. passed away too, like age twenty-eight. Um, just the amount of tragedy that Bobby Brown has endured in his lifetime. It's just, it's unfathomable, man. Um, you know, rest in peace to him, you know, um, condolences to him and the family, but I, I just can't even, I can't even process it. You know, losing a son, a daughter, uh, obviously Whitney, um, it's, just, it's just crazy. Yeah, big time. I mean, that's, yeah, it's, it's, Bobby Brown reminds me a lot of like a Kennedy, you know, of just that amount of loss. And, yeah. you know, when you showed me that news story this week, cause I wasn't aware, it's just, man, it's just like a long sigh. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, did you get a chance to watch the West Side Gun button interview? Not the whole episode. Um, but, but some of it, break it down for me. Yeah. So, um, you know, I thought it was great. Um, there were a couple of things that, that caught my eye. One was that Benny has some records with Drake. You and I were just talking, speaking of that Lil Wayne, Big Sean record. Uh, when that dropped, we were saying, okay, Benny's clearly making a move toward the mainstream, but mm. you know that album, or that, that song at least, and, and the whole album turns out, I think still very much uh, preserved his sound. It didn't feel like uh, any kind of sellout or like, you know, uh, going pop or anything like that. Um, but if he has records with Drake, you know, first of all, it's an indication that he's just on a whole new level and about to just like, uh, I think he can probably still walk the streets in most places and, and, and not be recognized you know, yeah. in certain places, you know, he will be, but he's not going to be like a, a Drake or a Ye or something like that who just can't go anywhere. But I think he might be getting to that stage where he's going to be at that level where he's just a, a bona fide superstar, you know, um, and a Drake record would, you know, would certainly propel him. But the fact that he's on Drake's radar like that too, and can get a Drake record shows you, that he's, um, you know, he's established himself in the industry um, in a way that he's a force to be reckoned with. We've known it, we've seen it for a long time. It's just a different level. Yeah, and that, I, I had heard grumblings that that record existed. I think Drake had, you know, said something on Instagram or, you know, which is his primary way of communicating these days. But yeah, to hear more of it, I think we're gonna get that record. Also, I mean, to your point, um, certainly not, not Drake level, but um, Cash Doll this week, you know, who's another prominent figure in a world of hip hop that I feel like AFH doesn't necessarily live in. Um, you know, she released her single with Mulatto and Benny, you know, mm -hmm. called Badass, which is Benny on a record that sounds nothing like a Derringer or even a, you know, Hit Boy beat. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, Benny is is my age, you know, he's in his, his upper to mid thirties and to watch him make his forays into the mainstream now um yeah it's it's huge to use another buffalo legend it's like doug flutie like getting a second chapter you know late in life and completely based on merit it's dope to yeah. see and that's one more reason why i'm you know thrilled benny is here to see some of that you know success unfold so speaking of buffalo legends the biggest artist to come out of buffalo prior to griselda and you know still bigger i would say um, but we'll see. It was Rick James, and it turns out that 
West Side Gun is working on a Rick James project. That's um, dope. You know, he has uh, been in touch with Rick James's brother, who's I think 18 months difference in age. Um, you know, uh, was involved with Rick's business, very close with him personally. And so he has all the stories about Rick James, uh, person, profession, the whole nine is, is making that that film. Um, so that should be amazing. It's, it's, and it's, it's very cool that they can take that Buffalo mantle, you know, and, and you know, torch and like uh, and run with it and celebrate the legends like that. So that's great. He also talked about the fact that he doesn't really listen to hip hop in his spare time. You know, he listens like a lot of like kind of hardcore rappers to like a lot of R&B. Interesting. You know, um, so I'm sure. Like new R&B? Uh, I think both. I think old and new, you know. Um, so, yeah, but, you know, it's cool for him to, like, uh, celebrate that funk legend. And then uh, he confirmed once again that he is out of his shady deal. And, you know, Joe said that he would have never, ever let West Side Gun go uh, if he was on Shady Records. Um, you know, if he was the owner of Shady Records, uh, and you and I said something similar, I think, you know, like, um, I just think the upside on him is so, uh, there's so much upside for him. Um, yeah. And so it's a great move for him, but it is surprising to me that that they uh, parted ways, you know, as quickly as they did. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it always, it always puzzled me when, you know, there's these really interesting, you know, allegiances or alliances, I should say, um, you know, like G-Unit signing MOP or you know which also Rockefeller did or you know uh Death Row with MC Hammer and nothing transpires of it and I mean this is a little different because obviously you know one year ago this month we got the Griselda album which yo I I thought was great you know I mean we we included it in our um top 15 albums of 2019 um and uh, and 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 Gunn's latest album came through Shady but we never really got a taste of what that could look like and, you know, I think, I assume that Shady spent a lot of money to get those three artists there mm-hmm. and to keep them and Hype Williams videos and, you know, BET ciphers and things like that. But to never really cash in on it is, um, is, a, is a mistake because Gunn has been one of the most exciting and prolific artists in 2020 through quarantine. Um, so you keep your artist happy. And um, I can't imagine for Gunn that that's a dollars and cents question entirely. I think he wanted the platform. And at this point, you know, Shady's run its course with Yellow Wolf. It's run its course, you know, at least with Gunn. We'll see about Benny and Conway. But it makes you wonder the impact of a really powerful label like that and once powerful in 2020. Yeah. And, you know, I think, uh, again, I, I think that it was the right move on his part because I do believe that Griselda will be a name like a, a death row, like a shady, like, a, you know, I think that it's going to be one of those celebrated labels at the end of the day. And, you know, I think it's fitting for him to do that on his own rather than, you know, in partnership with someone. But um, yeah, man. Um, but, you know, Bud was definitely stirring the pot a little bit on the shady side. <laughs> well, I mean, he's got his reasons and, and, and I always found that entertaining and um, but yeah, and, and, and not for nothing either. I mean, shady historically, you know, Eminem and Paul Rosenberg, you know, let G Unit and 50 Cent be great. They let that be a brand, but for at least the first eight or nine or close to 10 years of G Unit, you always knew that it was part of the Shady family tree, the same way that Dre did that with M, you know, Aftermath Shady. Shady was so gifted at that. And I don't understand why with that bloodline, with that heritage, they couldn't do that with Griselda. We'll see. I mean, you know, from what I've seen, neither ben, Benny nor Conway has said the same as Gunn of like, yo, I'm off. But um, yeah, I, I and, and that, yeah, Gunn broke that story with Budden, which was uh, kind of poetic into itself. For sure. For sure. Uh, so some great anniversaries this week, too. Um, Kanye's My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy uh, turned uh, 10 years old today. Um, yeah, November you know, 22nd. Yeah. Kanye's best record, best album? It's my favorite. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of people partial to the first three albums. I would say it's his best. Um, and and I, I don't think it's perfect, but I love that album. I love the growth that it's signaled coming out of 808s and Heartbreak. 
Um, and I thought it was just a really, I mean, I can't think of a more exciting time in hip hop in the last 10 years than him putting this dream team together, including OGs like Pete Rock and RZA, um, you know, and going to Hawaii and just throwing shit at the wall and, and more than seeing what sticks, but really kind of carving out a great album. Yeah, you know, I didn't like um, 808 and Heartbreak at all. Like, you know, to me, that was, that ushered in that sound that, that we were talking about earlier, like, you know, a lot of the auto-tune and a lot of stuff that I just wasn't into at that time. And so yeah. for him to come back with this album was phenomenal for me. And once again, kind of changed, you know, went back to the sample-based and soulful uh, kind of hip-hop that I love. Um, you know, I thought Jay was like in peak form. Um, I thought, you know, Nicki Minaj, like, you know, some of the finest. Scene. Yeah. yeah, Rick Ross, incredible. Um, Push a T. Devil in a blue dress. Uh, yeah, I mean, so many record gorgeous. Like, was so, like, you know, that's Kid Cudi, you know, like, in, in top form. Like, he really got the best out of everyone who worked on that album. Um, and I struggled to even think of, like, what the imperfection was. What would you say the imperfection was? So, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny. Um I reviewed that album for Hip Hop DX, and and I I say this to say this album has a lot to do with you and me being you know doing this podcast today because 2010 I was eight years in um, I had achieved everything I wanted to so I thought and I was just you know like you kind of mentioned about Jeezy and Gucci that was a really transitional time in hip hop and a lot of my heroes weren't making music or weren't making the music that. I really resonated with and I just you know I was uh 26 years old and I thought I might go do something else and I was really struggling at hip-hop dx too I kind of thought they wanted new blood and all of this and and you know the internet bubble burst in terms of traffic blogs had had taken so much of the traffic deservingly that sites like dx and all hip-hop and okay player got and um you know, as the editor-in-chief, I, I often reviewed a lot of the biggest albums. And I reviewed that album. And I had it, I think, 72 or 48 hours before it released. And I wrote it in a state not unlike Kanye created it. Just, um, you know, partying a little bit hard. And I gave it a four and a half out of five. Yet at that time, I didn't think it was perfect. Um, and to pull the album up in front of me and tell you why, I... I couldn't do that right now, but I don't know that Kanye has a five mic album under his belt. Um, Interesting. You don't think he has a five mic album? I think he's got a gang of four and a halfs. I wow. don't know that he has a five mic. So here's what's crazy about it is I give Kanye, you know, maybe peak Kanye in terms of the music side of four and a half. And I post the review and I go back to doing whatever rigmarole I was doing. And, you know, this was in the early days of real-time analytics. So, you know, as any editor-in-chief as I did at Ambrosia, I'm studying where the traffic is coming from, where it's going. And within a few hours, our site goes down. Mm. And I'm like, yo, what, what happened? You know, another great, now great. On this big, this big week, we have a tech issue. And Kanye tweeted my review and said that it was very thoughtfully written, a great review. Now, mind you, it's not perfect. I'm giving him four and a half. What I wrote was one of my proudest things, sort of like you with Kendrick. That was an important thing for me and gave us more traffic than DX had ever seen at the time. And then Kanye, that was the last thing he tweeted and he left Twitter for months. Oh, wow. Goes away, goes underground again. So and basically it was pinned. It was yeah. pinned at the top. Like, that's crazy. It was. And I wasn't on Twitter personally at the time. You know, I didn't care. I wasn't looking for clout. I really cared about the company that I had put, you know, more than three years of my blood, sweat and tears into. And that validation, I always thought that was interesting of Kanye too. We always think of him as this prima donna or this diva. And, um, you know, it's funny, Justin Hunt, you know, who you and I have worked with, assumed my role at DX when I left and he gave Yeezus a perfect score, something I don't agree with. And nothing you know what i mean and, and so i always looked at kanye and i was like that's so interesting but yeah i don't i don't i can't i can't put it in that same um perfection state that some of the other albums you and i talk about um is because i know when i'm listening 
I skip over tracks, um, but the ones you just mentioned, maybe I skip over Gorgeous. I have to go back, but Monster was ferocious. Gorgeous, yeah. like, man. I mean, go back and listen to his verses. So uh, we were doing, uh, you know, it was a BET at the time, and they had the Good Music Cypher that year. Um, and it was actually, uh, Kanye did three different verses, and it seemed like he was going off the top, and they were flawless. But uh, it was different verses, I think, from Gorgeous and from 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 the album uh, okay. that he was dropped into the cipher before it dropped. Um, you know, and one of them was 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 uh, the 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 Gorgeous verse where he talks about what's a black beetle anyway? You know, a, a roach. Like you yeah. Know, um, uh, but, but oh yeah, that's, you go yeah. back. You go back and listen to that those, those verses, man. He is that's Kanye in top rap for it, man. The way that album was recorded too. I mean, Mike Dean engineered it at a time when he started stepping out into i mean he'd always produced for scarface and devin the dude and corrupt and different people but he was rebranding and i really loved the way that he mixed those records and that performance i think it was mtv i don't think it was bet of kanye coming out in the tangerine orange suit with just the mpc on the marble podium and he starts runaway and what's so dope about that is you know the drums i didn't realize it. i'm like where have i heard these drums and it's the exact um what's it called the basement by pete rock and seal smooth the interlude on mecca and the soul brother oh, wow. okay. and then he triggers in all the mpc like to me that was taking the foundation of the hip-hop i love you mentioned digging in the crates earlier just as a concept and and setting it up for the last decade you know the decade that we've now just lived and that album i mean you can see the impact that album had on the travis scott's on the drakes on Absolutely. the pushes um yeah. It is. It is. It's 100%. I, I go back to that album more than I go back to graduation or late registration or even um, college dropout, which so many people hold in the highest of regards. But to me, that was that was Kanye coming undone and putting himself back together at once. And I just thought that was such an amazing record. Um, and yet still, I stand by what I said. It's a four and a half out of five. It's a nine out of a ten. But uh that MTV performance, yeah, bright red suit, all white stage, gigantic, you know, big like aerial shots of yep. him, and like it was like you know maybe two years after the the Taylor Swift stuff, and you know yeah. it was in some ways his like redemption, you know, to be back on that that VMA stage. I think it's the first time he had been back on the VMA stage since yep. that that moment. Uh, it was the whole album was just a cultural moment. All the lights had what, like, you know, something, some uh, insane yeah. number of artists on it, Elton John and like Rihanna and, you know, all these people. Um, Fergie. Yeah. Fergie was on it. Yeah. Um, man, I, I don't know, dude. I, I, I'd say, I'd say it's a classic. And I, I would say that uh, I, I think it's a five mic album. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't see any flaws on it. Um, I'm not mad at it. Um, I'm not, I'm not mad at what you're saying. And, um, it is definitely, you know, um, yeah, it, it is the game. sign of those times. Blame yeah. Devil in a dress. And John Legend, like, I don't know, man. Um, the Gil Scott even, stuff. And even like the, the bonus cuts. Oh no. Um, no, I'm getting mixed up. Bonus cut was, uh, uh, well, Joy, Joy was a bonus cut, right, for this album. Well, it was part of the Good Friday rollout, but it, yeah, you know, it wasn't yeah. on the CD that I have. I don't think. Maybe if you like yeah. went to Best Buy or something. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a bonus cut. Yeah, uh, I mean, Pete Rock. I mean, that was just such a record. So, I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, it definitely it influenced everything. Um, you know, that rollout, that Good Friday rollout, was insane. I just tremendous tremendous album and, and Kanye was still you know in his lyrical bag not that I mean I think that was still true of Yeezus and, and some of the more recent stuff but uh man what a what a really fun time and I I truly think Runaway um is one of the ultimate hip-hop breakup songs you know yeah, yeah. if you can kind of call it that because it's kind of we've already broken up redemption type record or I'm an, an, an I'm sorry record like when you talk about hip-hop songs that you can apply to life points Man, that is, uh, there are many times over the last 10 years where Runaway has been like, that That song fits a mood that I can't articulate on my own. Yeah, and the Good Friday rollout was a head scratcher because, you know, it was back at a time where um, it wasn't uncommon for rappers to release, you know, records 
leading up to it. And often it would be kind of like the stuff that was B-sides or, you know, um, that was not going to make the album the cutting room floor. But he did this what like for like 13 straight weeks or whatever it was, every Friday dropping a new song. And then when the album came out, it was like, wait a minute, like, where's the rest of it? Because yeah. he had released the entire album. People just didn't know it. And that was, that was revolutionary too. But in my mind, didn't mute the impact of it either. No, that's very well said. And also, I mean, you know, we one record we just haven't mentioned is Power, which was such a great single. I mean, Kanye, especially on the first three albums and then on this album, I mean, his single rollout was was great. I mean, it just it always gave you a clear indicator of where his head was at on the rest of the album. And Power is a record. um you know, Kanye knows how to pick his singles and, and that joint, I still come back to, it's a great workout record. It's a great in your ego, ego tripping record. Um, and, and let's not, for, I mean, he was sampling crazy. Him and his team of producers around him were grabbing samples. Like I mentioned the Pete Rock and Seal smooth drums and that one, a King Crimson record, like the stuff he was grabbing was really um, widespread and interesting. And power the video. Remember that? Like, uh, like it was like the slow moving, like, like art. Like, yes, yeah. so much about it. But I remember being concerned when I heard that record because at the end he's like jumping out the window, letting everything go, and it's sounding like uh, it's sounding almost suicidal, you know. Yeah. And it was like at that time, and, but then he kind of came and was at peak power. And but if you go back and think about it, that was just at the beginning of kind of the unraveling of Kanye. Yeah. 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 Um, so very prophetic record. I don't know. That album was was deep, man. Going back, it's very, very deep album. So from a number one record that dominated that year um, to an underground classic, if that's the right, because you lived it. I was about three or four years behind on it, but Group Homes Living Proof turns 25. That's crazy. Yeah, and you probably crazy. had some behind-the-scenes stuff maybe with that album. No, nah, I didn't. I wasn't uh, 25. So 25 was uh, oh, yeah, 1995. 95. Yeah, it was just before I started working uh, at, at the firm and, and doing work for Primo back in 97. So gotcha. before that. But it was law school years for me. And um, I distinctly, like, uh, Superstar was so, was such a core part of, my time then you know it was that it was like who got the props uh you know um that that was like man that was such a great era of hip-hop for me but super like a lot of people like say that primo gave his best beats to group home and they don't say it in a favorable way they're like dude like why would you do that you know yeah but, but that album is great and I, I i thought group home man their rapping was awesome too like i mean i agree with you i mean i especially dap i mean malachi you know, was sort of like a 5FT, you know, I mean, he was a good compliment, but Dap has that voice. I mean, Dap, people hate, man, but Dap had good verses on Gangstar albums, you know, that like, I'm the man type joints. And yeah. um, I always loved his voice. I loved his simple, you know, street savvy, like you just believed everything this guy said. Yeah. You know, you get the feeling, you know, the feeling when things ain't right. Like, man, that was just sinister. And I love, I love that record. I mean, it just, and I do think, and I mean, Gangstar is my favorite group of all time. I do think Premier's finest beats are on that album. You know, if you look at simply a body of work, just musically, um, you know, 95. And and you and I got a chance to talk to Prem about that a little bit too, you know? Yeah. And, and he gets defensive about that opinion. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not justified. Groupon was dope. So why, why shouldn't they have dope beats? Word. And plus... Primo's got so many bangers, it's really hard and I think uh, inaccurate to say that all of his best beats, his best beats on that album, he's got so many phenomenal beats across so many albums, you know, yeah. even stuff like, uh, I've been listening to Christina uh, Aguilera lately, um, and the, that album was, you know, unreal, um, so. Pittsburgh, what up? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so Group Home, um, another anniversary and you know wikipedia says this and um you know uh so I'll take it for what it was i know it was around this time but mama's gun turned 20 years old now that album you know i think about it so 
Prince is, I say, my favorite artist. And part of that is just legacy. You know, it's just, I've said it for so long that like, it, it just kind of is, but um, that statement could easily apply to Erica and or Kendrick as well. Um, but Erica has got just a special place for me. Like I've seen her perform probably 15 times, maybe 20, um, have met her a few times, hung out a couple hours, you know, backstage one time. Like, I mean, like deep, I have a picture with her and Kendrick like together, which is like, uh, that's like when I got that picture, I was like, okay, it's a wrap. I'm done. I'm good. Yeah. You know, I was like you, like, yeah. you know, um, but that album, that's better than a tweet, by the way. yeah uh that album you know is perfect for me um you know i'll listen to it still to this day i probably hear at least one track per week from that album is that the eric album mama's gun that you listen the most to or that you consider her best yes uh yes and the first album is amazing uh too you know baduism um you know but but mama's gun it's like, it's it's very much like D'Angelo's um, uh, Brown Sugar to Voodoo. Brown Sugar is a very soulful, you know, uh, kind of polished album. But Voodoo was like dense and complex and dirty and just like perfect, you know. Um, but, it, but it took a while to kind of open up, uh, you know. Um, and Mama's Gun was the same way. You, you go into it thinking you're going to hear that slick james poiser like you know roots type sound like um and it opens up with um uh, uh penitentiary philosophy and that sounds like sly stone and you got this like like this, this dirty guitar and like you know uh it's just a groove um and you know you got dilla work on it with like clever uh clever and uh, you know, you've got um, the Marleys on, you know, um, Dan- Roy Hargrove. Yeah, Roy Hargrove. So this was Soul Quarians. Like, uh, I think, um, like, at their peak form, too. You know, so you had, um, you know, Voodoo came out around, you know, just like a, a year or so before. Then you had this. You had um, the things roots fall apart in there. Things fall apart. You had the common album, like uh, water for chocolate, like water for chocolate. Um, Bilal in there. I mean, yeah. I know he's not. Yeah, but Bilal, and you know, so you know, but I think this might be the Soquarians' like uh, culmination, their best work. Interesting. I mean, because from a personnel standpoint, you know, there's certain subdivisions like Native Tongues, but Mama's Gun integrated just about everybody, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. um, except I'm not. ironically, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm not mad at that statement, and 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 it's one of those areas where you are much more dialed in. So, I mean, I hold Erica in the highest, and in high school, a lot of a lot of my friends, you know, when we were hanging in the car, they had the CD. I became a much bigger Erica fan in the New America days. Like those albums, one and two, were insane mm-hmm. to me. I played played them both this week. Um, so I, I I put it to you like you get Mama's Gun in a way that I'm still climbing levels to get. So Orange Moon, uh, yeah, you know one of the songs that she plays still to this day. She opened up her Soul Train Awards tribute with it, and she also it was the only song she did on Tiny Desk is um, um, Green Eyes. Green Eyes, yeah, and and that was for Roy, right? Yeah, and it's just got three movements to it. You know, um, you know, it just is. Uh, and that closes the album, you know, um, that, that album, yeah, it, it just gets me emotional, man. I, I think that album is, um, a masterpiece, just a masterpiece. It, it's top five albums of all time for me. Interesting. Um, you know, just, yeah, it's a staple in my life, you know. And it, uh, it became the model or the archetypes of sorts for Rhapsody with Layla's Wisdom, you know, 17 years later, which is yeah, pretty dope. that's right. That's right. Yeah, I forgot, right? We, we talked about that in the interview. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, so great anniversaries, man. Uh, October is, or November is that time when, when great music drops. Do uh, you think we got another one coming? I still feel like there's one more great album that's going to come. Yeah. And I don't think we know about it yet. Uh, You know, I think we'll get the sneak attack, especially with lockdown and undivided attention. And I feel like the holidays just feeling a little bit different this year. I think um, 
I think one of the giants is going to climb down from Mount Olympus and, and drop something on us. Yeah. Um, so we, we talked uh, briefly about K Slay last week, but he rolled out a track uh, called Rolling 50 Deep that uh, has is 15 minutes of rappers. Like, you know, some guys in my group chat, like uh, you, you and I have seen this before. He's got a, a few cuts like this and they just keep getting longer and longer. It's kind of like those trade of truth records. Exactly. Yeah. Too. Um, and he's on the joint. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it didn't really have the same kind of impact on me as it did my, my guys in my, my group chat. Yeah. Um, but it was cool to see people like Grandmaster Kaz and, and Melly Mel on records with like, you know, Benny and Styles and Ray and yeah. AZ and MLP and E-40. I mean, the lineup sounds insane, Locksmith, but, you know, um, you know, um, it didn't really grab me, but, you know, it, it didn't do for me in reality what it looked like on paper. Word. I'm not mad. Yeah, I I think it's really cool, and I just give it up for Case Lay. Um, you know, who's been in this culture for, you know, at least 45 years. Um, you know, in March, the week before the lockdown, I saw you. I went up to the Bronx for a graffiti exhibit for Henry Chalfont, um, who grew up in my hometown, and. Um, you know, you see these photos of Case Lay. I mean, he was in Style Wars. Style Wars, yeah, yeah. it's crazy, yeah. But to watch him go from a graph writer to a DJ producer to a radio personality to a publisher, all these things, it's cool. And and he brings that history to a record like this for the reasons you said with Melly Mel and, and Kaz and Ice-T and also bringing out Sauce Money. And it's just cool, but I agree with you. Like, it, it yeah. And I, I felt that way a lot about these super you know, these super collabs, even when Trey did them. I mean, they're cool for the culture and there's people that trip out over them. For me, um, you know, a 20 minute commitment like that. <laughs> not, not sure I'll go back and hear it again. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, definitely shout out to him. Legendary, uh, you know, still doing his thing on Shade 4-5, um, you know, and to pull this together is an amazing thing. Um, so Russ dropped something, you know, uh, he's another one where um, I respect him and the movement he has built is just amazing. I mean, yeah. the guy has you know, been able to sell out arenas. Like, I mean, yeah. it, it, it's crazy, but um, never was really heavy in my rotation. But did you listen to the EP? I did. I played it once. I thought it was cool. I think it's interesting to watch an artist with um, such a strong following, to your point, make the album that they probably like want to make as a hip hop fan. It involves Premier, Alchemist, Crooked Eye, um, you know, Black Thought, Busta, Absol. It's cool. I mean, and not for nothing, Russ talks a gang of shit. Like he he pops off. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was cool. It's one of those things, sort of like K Slay, and, and these are very two different artists. Where I've heard other people that I admire and respect go crazy over it. For me, I'll give it another run, but it, it didn't stick to my ribs as much as just the novel concept of this artist showing their affinity for the hardcore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll definitely take a listen to it. Um, so Static Selector, Killer Mike, Conway, 2 Chains. First uh, single from around. Static's new album. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, Static, it's funny, he had said that Lucky 7 was going to be his last album, uh, and he like vowed it. Yeah, I forgot that word. I think, I think we're like three albums uh, past that now, but uh, <laughs> I'm not mad. At it. I always enjoy his music, man. Uh, I always do. Yeah, and I mean, he's produced some joints this year for Joey uh, and different folks. I mean, you know, he's clearly got more music to give, and this is an interesting collabo, you know, putting Conway and Killer Mike and, and Two Chains on the same joint. So, salute to him. Um, Toby Nwegwe put out a joint with Earth Gang and Duckworth called Wildlings. I've been playing that one a lot. I mean, we had we had Duckworth on the podcast, and you and I are huge Toby and Wegway fans and Earth Gang fans. All three, you know, or all four of these guys. Um, that's a that's a good joint. Toby's up to some stuff, man. He 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 is as prolific as Griselda. Yeah, yeah, a really super talented guy. Like I'm waiting for him to have his breakout too. I don't think that he or JID have. Um, had success that they deserve yet i think that they they're going to be superstars 
and I'm just waiting for those breakout moments. Yeah, I think that's very, very, very well said. I agree with you. And I think that's going to happen. I mean, Toby, you and I, um, you know, he really got an anthem off this year with some of the protests um, with Try Jesus. I don't know if you've heard that record, but, um, you know, he's been a- he did at the Hip Hop Awards. I think so. I think so. Something with a choir. Um, yeah that would make sense that would make yeah, sense yeah. but i mean he's been it's it's interesting like things that toby has has said and, and done on social i see on my connections that are not even in the music that they just appreciate what he stands for and i think that will continue to show itself yeah yeah another um, album i just want to give praise to um rashid Chappelle. um who dj eclipse and Torre played like 10 years ago on the radio one night when i was driving and I pulled over to write down the artist. I was that impressed when he, when Rashid came into the game under Kenny Dope, um, you know, just a, a, we talk about voices a lot on this show and vocal tone. Rashid has the, like one of the best voices. He partnered with one of my favorite producers, Buck Wild from DITC hmm. for a, a new record called Sinners and Saints that uh, I was playing it this morning before the pod. Um, they got a joint in there called Mass Media, which is actually my song of the week. And man, it, it's another it's another track that really gets 2020 and the forces at play. So for folks that feel like we sometimes talk a lot about, you know, mainstream artists or legacy artists, um, you know, Rashid's been doing it for at least 10 and Buck is obviously 25 plus in the game. But that is heavy rotation for me. Mm, so, yeah, we talked about anniversaries. One, one I forgot to mention, I, I actually got to watch it. Um, probably going to watch it after this, but. Fresh Prince dropped a special, uh, you know, um, you know, 30 years of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Um, and there was a, apparently a really potent reunion between him and um, uh, Janet, uh, I'm forgetting her name. But the Hubert, I don't know if it's Hubert. Hubert, 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 yeah. Hubert, yeah. Um, you know, the original mother. Um, and there was definitely bad blood publicly between them for quite some time, but they have uh, apparently a very personal and um, emotional exchange but heartfelt and like um, you know public reconciliation which mm. is really cool um, and then Kevin Hart had a special too um, and it's interesting because Kevin you know he's been uh, people try to cancel him people try to cancel him um, you know and ultimately kind of did succeed he, he did it himself but um you know he had been invited to host the oscars it was his dream job it was gigantic i think he was only like the, the third or, or fourth uh, black person to ever do it um and then uh because of some old tweets that were resurfaced uh, that, that had been like you know in the public you know court of public opinion you know before um you know was basically uh you know decided to, to step back from that um and he's been in the news, obviously, for indiscretions and things like that. This, in my mind, was his attempt to go Chappelle. And it's called Zero F's Given, you know. And, you know, he goes in on some things in a, in a way that Kevin doesn't typically do, much more like Dave. But in the end, um, he tries to play it off like it was a dream, which I thought was kind of a <laughs> cop-out, you know. Yeah. And I heard him talking about it on Breakfast Club. And he did it very calculatedly because... He is concerned with cancel culture and, you know, he's got many conglomerates and, you know, as he put it, he's responsible for feeding a lot of people, you know, he is like, you know, um, but I kind of think in this era, man, if you're a comedian, especially, you got to go Chappelle, man. You just got, you can't, you sure. truly can't, yeah. you know, uh, give enough. Like, so, um, yeah, I, I found it a little bit, a little bit, um, like I said, a little bit of playing it safe. Yeah. yeah. But, but it, was, it was funny. It was one of the, the funnier um, uh, Kevin Hart specials I've seen. I need to watch that. And I agree. I mean, and it's funny too, that we hold entertainers to a standard that we don't even hold our own politicians because right. we, you know, that guy sitting in the white house refuses to apologize for a lot of the inflammatory things he said. And I know there may not be sponsorships tied into that, but there is, you know, the public opinion, and um yeah some somehow um there's just a double standard there and uh yeah i'll i'll, I'll watch this that's funny he pulled a sopranos what season yeah. five and <laughs> you know yeah. yeah yeah so um 
Yeah, so son, what's your song of the week, man? I'm going to go back to that Rashid, man, and, and Buck Wild Mass Media. It's a quick two minutes. Some of Buck Wild's, like, dopest production that I've heard in the last few years, and he's been a busy man, put out his own albums this year, and I encourage everyone to listen to that, especially as we talk about what I just said. Yeah. Mm, okay. So what for about me, you? Uh, dude, I don't know why, but I've had your hometown guy, King Britt, like in, in like uh, his album in my head all week. Uh, he did this project called Silk 130, uh, When the Funk hits, hits the Fan. And there's a song called When the Funk Swings, hmm. uh, which is just real like uh, soulful and jazzy and laid back. And like that's been on my mind like all week. There's another song that's called Gorgeous, which is super dope too. Uh, to listen to but um when, when the, the funk, funk swings has a few mixes what do you know the name of the one you particularly it's, it's the one actually on the album on okay the 130 album yeah got gotcha. you yeah gotcha. and it's, it's it's crazy it's the one i sent it to you a couple days ago yeah not on dsps unfortunately it's, it's only on youtube and it's not yeah available. and that's why i say that too because there's like two or three other mixes of that song at least on some of the dsps and you know king brit is part of that 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 great dj culture where there's you know all different uh yeah, I mean, and the mixes are, are very varying. So shout yeah. out to Philly and Brit, man. Yeah, for sure. Word. All right, man. Well, always a pleasure. Yeah, man. Everyone that's celebrating, have a good holiday this week. And uh, yeah, I think we're coming back with a guest real soon. So Okay, dope. Sounds good. All right, man. Yo, All stay right. safe. Yeah, you too.